All right. Welcome to the AdaptX podcast, where we have conversations with individuals who are building inclusive and accessible products, advocating for inclusion or excelling in adaptive sports. My intention is never to speak on behalf of those with disabilities, but give them a platform to amplify their voice and ideas. Today, we are joined by Becca Peasy, a mom, runner, author, coach, business owner, nonprofit director, and probably way more. I put mom first because I think it's what you'd consider your greatest accomplishment, as, uh, as I do with my son. Did I miss anything? <laughs> you got it all. <laughs> I think I got it all. Um, you're known for a lot, but probably most noticeably you're running. Um, you've taken on and accomplished insane challenges. Uh, you've inspired me personally to strive for more. And you've been so gracious to me with your time over the year. So I very much appreciate your friendship. Uh, to me, it's like being friends with the Michael Jordan of running. So um, oh <laughs> I'm not even sure where to start, uh, but maybe at the beginning. So um, a lot of these conversations are about adapt fitness and inclusion but uh also very passionate about the endurance sports space so we'll we'll talk about i think mostly running and endurance sports today and we'll maybe transition to a discussion on how they can be more inclusive and accessible but uh what got you into running initially I ran my first race with my dad in my hometown when I was six years old and I won my age group because I was actually the only one in my age group, which I learned years later. Um, I was like, well, and they gave me like all this stuff, like backpacks and shirts. And they just thought it was so cute that I was running with my dad. And I, I just remember getting in the car and thinking like, that's that was really fun. I really like doing that. And then I just competed in middle school and then I loved it. And especially the bond between runners, because I grew up playing soccer as well. And and runners really have an incredible, um, unbreakable bond and su- the support. And then I ran in high school and then I ran in college. And, and the journey's been incredible. You know, I get to see the world doing what I love. It, it's really it's really been awesome. You know, that's why I say with like my work, how it's uh, introduced me to incredible people. And it definitely hasn't taken me to the depths of the world like yours has. But um, I don't know if I would want to go there anyway. So I'm content with <laughs> yeah. where I'm, I'm content with where it's brought me. But um, uh, I don't want to get too far along with maybe like without kind of hooking people as to everything you've accomplished over the last few years. So 2016, you completed the World Marathon Challenge. So seven marathons in seven days, seven consecutive days on seven continents. Um, you repeated that again a couple of years later, first person to do it twice. Uh, not only finish those marathons, but you won many of them. Um, and then you embarked on the 50 marathons in 50 states. Uh, yeah. So you've run a marathon in every state that you recently wrapped up. And as if that wasn't enough, you went and did Kona a few weeks ago as well uh, last month. So, um, and then as soon as I texted you after that and asked how you were feeling, and I thought you had taken on every challenge, and then I see pictures in my feed that you're running a marathon on a volcano. So, um, I'm not sure where it ends for you, but um, what do you have? Something that's coming up next? <laughs> Anything that you can uh, that you can kind of train towards? Yeah, I'm running, um, well, Feaster 5 because I love a good Thanksgiving race. And the Feaster 5 gives these awesome pies that are like really awesome. But the next endurance race is the um, Antarctica Marathon. It's my fourth time running Antarctica. And I'm just, I'm blown away. Every time I go to Antarctica, it is just so prestigious and beautiful. And I feel so lucky to be there. So um, I've recently taken on the, the role of race director of Antarctica Marathon, which to me is like a dream. You know, I get to race direct and run the um, Antarctica Marathon. So we ran, you know, you land on a glacier and you're running on a glacier. It's just so different and, and unbelievably awesome. So um, 
I, I look forward to going, but every single year when I'm there, I'm like, ah, oh, this might be the last year for me because <laughs> I'm just really cold with those thoughts. I'm freezing. And Crazy. and then I watch the Russian illusion military plane come in, pick us up and drop us off. And it's awesome. How many people do you think will participate in that? There will be 50. We cap out the race at 50 just so we can kind of keep an eye on everybody. What are the main like safety contraindications there or concerns? Um, that you're running on a glacier and that it kind of zings like, ding, you, know, you don't know if it's going to rip open or you're going to, you know, like it's, it's really terrifying, but they, they do an on the safety team does an unbelievable job at prepping the course and make, making sure that we're totally, totally safe. And, but the hardest part is the winds of Antarctica. It's freezing. It's so cold, but um, you, you go out and you get the proper gear and you're comfortable. Within reason, somewhat comfortable. Yeah, yeah as comfortable as you can be running a marathon yeah, on a glacier. Lap three, there's four 10k loops, and lap three always tends to be like the never-ending lap. But out of the four laps, but you just kind of take it one mile at a time. When and the sun is blinding, so, so oftentimes we run the race at two a.m. or three a.m. We just oh, wow. go off of safety of what's a good time. When's it going to be the less wind- windiest? And it tends to be at two or three in the morning. But still, because of um, summer in Antarctica, the sun is blinding. It's like really, really bright and in, in your face. But you have the proper gear, sunglasses, and stuff. Uh, what kind of first introduced you to that World Marathon Challenge? Um, a lot of friends were emailing me about it. It went, it was on Nessun. It was on like one of the sports channels here. And then my friends that know me re- heard about it and they're like, Becca, you, sh- you should do this. Like you, you, you know, an American female has never done it. All you have to do is run it and complete it. And, um, I thought, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. And then I saw the $50,000 price tag. So I was like, oh, okay, who, who can help me? So I got endorsed to, for people to help me out to run it. But, um, but when I, when I read about the 777, I could not stop thinking about it. I'm like, no, I really feel like I was born to run that race, you know? And every time I bring an idea to my parents, they're like, no, we're <laughs> put down. No, this is like, cause every single time my, my dreams get scarier and bigger and they're like, no, we're done with, you know? And, um, the, the one thing like, you know, so telling, talk, telling them I'm doing this and I need your support. And, you know, so they always wrote back in, they throw little tantrums and they get a little mad and then they kind of come back in and, and help me and support me. That was one of the things that was just kind of like crossing my mind as I prepped for our conversation. Like a lot of people are content finishing a 5k and then they're content finishing a marathon. I'm content trying to shave a few seconds off our marathon and train a ton of hours just to shave that like minute off our marathon. Hopefully, I guess what kind of gave you the idea that like you always have to strive for more or that there's like more out there that you need to go after. Um, life is too short. You know, I, I keep reading about like all, all these events and I'm like, I, I think I'm just drawn to the ultimate test of endurance and strength marathons. And I, I'm really drawn to like, I read about a 50 K and I'm like, Oh, I, I, I think I can break the course record, not just like run it, like break the course record. So I love that feeling, you know, and I love the greatest thing about being me, I think is the fans are so loyal and supportive and and it means a lot to me. So I like to make them proud. And especially the young girls that yesterday I was at the Feaster five expo and I'm taking tons of pictures with first time girls running and boys. And it, it, it's something, you know, I'm signing their bib and I'm like, wow, this is really special for me. You know, I really love it. I love to be included and um, go to expos and any races. I'll do just about anything, but I really do love the endurance marathons. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you didn't hesitate to come out to our expo, even though it was paled in comparison, like the Feaster 5. But you take on so many challenges with high degree of uncertainty. Yes, like for me, when Jacob and I travel for Amara, it's such it adds such a layer of stress and like difficulty before you're even working on what's supposed to be the hardest part, which is uh, so you seem comfortable kind of going out of your comfort zone. Is that something that you guys yeah. I learned to not worry about anybody else and just to like put a race plan together and to race my plan because um for example one of the girl one of the girls in the volcano marathon was way faster faster than me and you know like she's like a 245 marathoner and I just said you know you're you're trained and race your plan and don't worry about anything else but all my life um I've been under a lot of pressure you know and and so I've learned that I just need to set two goals on a perfect goal day. I'm going to do goal number A and everything's going to go well. And then if I, if A is not going so well, I have a backup plan for B. So I think it's important to have two goals. And, but I, I do, um, I don't tend to crack under pressure. You know, when I was running 1730s, 5Ks in, in, in college and, you know, everything has to go so smoothly for that. I just, I do well under pressure. So that's, that's a good thing for me. But I also like, I, I know that every time I go to race that I'm well-trained and prepped, you know, so I just hope my body holds up and, and hangs on. And, you know, there's still different things like you guys broke sub three in Martha's Vineyard. I still haven't broken sub three yet. So that would be a dream for me. I'm only like 309. So um, there's other things I want. I want to rope it back in when I'm done with the endurance marathons and, and shoot for a fast, a fast um, marathon. So you got, you and Jacob definitely inspired me to do that. I, I feel like I saw you in Martha's Vineyard and I was like, Wow. You guys just look so strong and inspired me. Uh, and everybody was cheering for you. I don't know if you could like really grasp that. People, because I saw you on the out and back and everybody was like cheering mm -hmm. you. And it was so awesome. Yeah, I think I was I was kind of out of it. Um, about halfway through is when, maybe obviously a little more than halfway through is when the half marathon joined the marathon course. And yeah. we were on a bike path, which in my mind felt like it was going to be good. And then in execution, it was not because everyone was on the bike path. And so I spent a mile or two and I, I hate to yell, like even we do a ton of our running on the rail trail and I hate to yell like on your left, but sometimes people like yell at me if I don't say anything and I kind of like spook them and I'm never going to hit someone, but like, no, no, they, like yeah. they like to hear on your left. And so I was just getting like frustrated and I knew I was trying to stay relaxed the whole time and I had failed this like sub three attempt a few times. So it was kind of already in the back of my mind that like you're going to be good until mile 20. And then that's <laughs> usually when the wheels fall off for uh, for us. But um, weaving through people and then eventually I just moved to the road and ran along the side of the road. Um, but no, I, I, I was kind of, I guess, my own for anyone or be an inconvenience for anyone because I didn't want to affect that the only the one comment I heard was at like mile 25 from someone who was like barely running and she just goes that doesn't look like it's good for your back and I was like <laughs> okay. I was like I'm, I'm zipping okay. up, but that's okay <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah no it, it was a it was a good event and I'm, I'm glad it felt like a little bit of a relief um maybe I like uh, I was going to ask you about the pressure because you said like and I was wondering is as these things kind of stack up, are you feeling more pressure? Are you like, is it, yeah. is it ever going to get to the point where it's not enjoyable because you're putting too much pressure on yourself? Yeah. I worry about that. I really do because at, for some weird reason, I'm 43 years old and for whatever weird reason, I'm getting faster 
I don't know if it's like, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why it makes no sense that I'm getting faster and, um, banging out like really fast runs. And, um, so with that comes a lot of winning, you know, and I, I have been winning, like the, I won the Garmin marathon and then, you know, and then you go to the next marathon and you're number one, you know, or you go back to that marathon and you give a number one and people Google you and they tell you like, Oh, I Googled you and I saw you. And I, you know, and I'm like, Oh, and, and it does like, and then the race invites you, maybe like a race invites you and, and, you know, there's a lot of pressure, pressure to do well. But I always tell my daughter, like if, if, you know, and, and I, my biggest stress is now that she's a teenager and all her friends follow me, like that I don't win and, and I don't have a good race, but then I just tell her I have, I have, given it everything I have, you know, and, and I remember Shalane Flanagan said in her, one of her talks, like, are you doing everything you can be doing right now to win this race or to break, to meet your goals? And when I asked myself that at like mile 18, um, I, I feel like I can reach a little bit more like art right, Becca, you flew. And that's the thing. Like I did not fly to Chile 21 hours for second place. Like I can talk myself. And I said, I'm looking at this girl. I'm like, how am I going to beat her? She's a 245 marathoner. But I, you, all these things come in your head. Like I worked way too hard running six days a week and hundred mile weeks. And, you know, I, I, I worked really hard for this and I didn't fly all the way here to for a second, you know, and sometimes I run always, I run with my daughter's pitcher in my little spy belt or, you know, in pocket or something in it. And any, I just dig deep for inspiration every single time I go to race, but yeah, the pressure I've cried, I've cried before, you know, and, and my husband's like, shake it off. You're okay. You got this. And I'm like, because they're, you know, r- running is a very stressful, <laughs> stressful sport. It just yeah. is like, there's no team. Like you're, yeah. you're, I mean, in high school there is, but, um, I, I've learned that people are proud of me no matter what, you know, and so it's often a self-induced pressure though. Like I feel like I fabricated this like whole breaking three into a way bigger of a deal than it actually is. Like ultimately we're just, we're just out there going for a run, but I felt like I was bringing like my gym community along and people were texting me during the run. And I was, I just like, I felt and it, it was helpful. I think it actually ended up being helpful, but I felt like other people were like relying on me, not that it had any bearing on their life whatsoever, but like I felt like people were depending on me to like accomplish this goal so then we could go run Boston together. And um, I think like one of the mantras to me is that I tell myself that it's a privilege to kind of suffer through these marathons. Like there's a lot of people that don't get the opportunity to run or they don't have the ability to run like we do. And um it's it's a privilege to kind of feel that pain the last 10k of a race uh in a weird way no you're right like we get to do this people don't get to do what we do we get to do this you're right yeah yeah but that's that's a tough thing and uh it's good to hear that you that you struggle sometimes because when you just bang out marathon after marathon it just (laughs) it feels like um you're just kind of invincible in that way Um, (laughs) yeah can you point to like can you point to one or maybe a couple that you would consider your biggest achievements um you know what like the my biggest achievements are races that people don't even know about like running 17 12 in in college and coming in fifth place like that that is something that personally i will never ever forget it's it's something that i worked really really hard to break 1730 and um that that it's funny because like people think oh Becca 777 and you know but it's it I would have to say finishing the 50 states is by far my biggest achievement you know and um 
a lot of, I had a lot of sicknesses and injuries and all, all the things. And you just, you just, you know, when I went to Texas, I'm like, I don't, I don't not that I, there's nothing against Texas, but I don't want to fly back here. So got it out. You know, at mile 15, I had this like stabbing pain in my calf. Like it's like somebody was stabbing me and I'm like, I don't ever recommend um, running through pain, but I spent $3,000 to go to Texas, you know, two flights, two hotel, you know, and I don't want to come back. And not that, not that I don't, it's not Texas personally. It's like, that's the thing. Or I went to Fargo, North Dakota. And it was like, you spend a fortune on these marathons and you, I leave my daughter for four days, you know, and that, so I think, I think my biggest achievement is definitely, and then winning Antarctica. Like I worked really, really hard. Um, and Kipchoge wrote, good luck, Becca, you got this. And I was like, oh, my God. And he's like, I'll be following you. I'm like, oh, my God, I have to win this. And he congrats- after the race, he congratulated me. And I was like, "This that's, that's definitely, like, one of the greatest things. And But I love, I mean, it's been, it's been, oh, and then I'm t- running my 20th Boston Marathon. And, and to get to 20, I always tell people I'm going to get to 20, 20 Boston Marathons and probably keep running them. But, like, to say that I've run 20 Boston Marathons, it, like, that's where I got my start. I ran my first marathon at 17 years old, the Boston marathon. And it's taken me like so far in life, you know, and, um, because I loved it so much, I kept running it. And, um, that, that's a huge achievement for me. Absolutely. What, um, one thing I'm interested in kind of seeing with your journey is how you've created a career out of this, what some people would consider a hobby. Um, what what do you think has been like what has that journey been like i mean maybe when you were first starting you probably didn't envision that you would be doing what you're doing now but what are the different pieces that allow it to be like a sustainable career if that makes sense um that does make sense yeah so i love to say yes to everything like special um olympics reached out yesterday and they're like we know you don't have time i'm like i do have time you know that <laughs> that you're wrong. Like I, I would love to be so April 26, I'm going to be in charge of the special Olympics. And I'm like, I love when people ask me to help because I needed so much help growing up. You know, like I wasn't afraid to ask and, you know, a gym, like, can I work out here or a pool? Can I swim here? And, and I think you just have to ask for help. And when you, when you ask for help, then, um, and I love when people ask me, Hey, can you, can you be a part of this? Or can you be so giving, that's my way to give back. I love to say yes to everything, you know? And, and then I have rules. Like when people email me, I email them back within six hours. I do my best to, you know, and let, let everybody feel like they're cause, cause if somebody wants to take the time to ask me or talk to me, I, I love that, you know? And, um, oftentimes it's people that follow me and, um, yesterday somebody, I cried because somebody on fr- two days ago wrote a thesis on me and I'm like, out of all the things you could have chose, like you chose me and she's 17 and running her first Boston marathon when she was 18. And I was like wiping tears. I was like, I, I could, it, it was like so humbling. Like, and then somebody came to my door. This happened a couple of times, um, dressed as me for Halloween. <laughs> and I'm like, again, like out of all the things you, you chose to dress as me for Halloween, she had all these medals. She had my bib, Becca 777. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, and it was so awesome. She was seven. And then the other girls were like teenagers and I'm like, and my daughter saw it and to have my daughter be able to see these things, like it, it means so much, you know? So I, I feel very, very lucky to be from the Boston community and people that care about me. Yeah. What do you think that Boston marathon experience is going to be like for us this April? Or how do you think I can make the most of it? Write your names on your shirts and, (laughs) and, Go for it. You know, like put up a statement. You guys deserve to be there. You're gonna you're gonna do so well. You're gonna run so fast. You know, you guys, yeah, like have a little 
are you so excited? And just, you know, like get on the course, cover all. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just viewing it as the accomplishment of, I guess what we worked for in Martha's Vineyard. I, I know it'll be a, a tough course with the wheelchair, yeah, but it, it's going to be a crowds that we've never experienced. So like you said, we'll put Jacob, put Jacob's name on the front. No one will be able to see mine because I'll be behind the chair, but that's fun. Even when they say Jacob, like you're like, and, and so exactly. that's the thing that I told Z for you guys, it's like the victory lap. You know what I mean? Like you already did the work. This is the victory lap. Enjoy it. And it, you it's so, you guys are going to have so much fun. It's really awesome. What are you going to wear as a kit, race kit? Do you have something picked up? Uh, I'm not sure yet. We might like, since we don't have the, the obligation of fundraising for a charity, um, we'll have a, like a fundraising page for the nonprofit uh, that I run. So uh, I might try to get like some corporate sponsors and see if they would donate to the nonprofit in exchange for maybe having logos or something on some sort of singlet. But um, yeah, haven't thought too far. We're going to get new wheel covers for the chair as well. Same thing that hopefully has some of uh, the sponsor logos, but uh, it wasn't really on my radar initially, but I, I feel like I can maybe use the race as a way to fundraise for the organization, like all the charity runners do for their organization. So might as well try to. You should. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you get uh, acquainted with Chara? So you trained so Chara for Boston last year. Yeah, like it's been so fun. Um, he Ben Rowitz, who's Tom Brady's manager, reached out and he's like, um, "Do you know Zidane Chara?" I'm like, "The broom, yeah." Like the there, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "What's up?" And he's like, "He wants to get into running. He has a couple of questions." So when I go and I meet him in in Weston, and um and he's so far ahead of where I thought he was. Like he was banging. I'm looking at his Strava. I'm like, "Is this you?" And he's like, "Yeah." I'm like you don't need my help. I'm like, you're, you're fine. You're already running seven miles, eight miles. And I was like, and then I'm staring at him and I'm like, any chance you want to run Boston marathon? He's like, yeah, when is it? I'm like April. He's like, like three months. I'm like, yeah. And he was like, I'd love to, I'll sign up. I'm like, so it doesn't really, yeah, work. <laughs> like, so I'm like, hold, let me, let me think. Like, and so I wrote the race director of the Boston, Mar you know, Dave McGilvery, I wrote to him and he was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, let me, let me connect with him. And and he is so coachable, you know, and, and what, what I love about him is he takes the time for the people. Like he high fives the kids. And uh, when I run with him, we've run five marathons together. And what I love about him is he, he really just, um, it's like, a, it's like a parade for him and he, he really embraces it. And so he's getting faster. He just ran a 316 and, and he's getting faster and faster. I think, I think he'll be low three very, very soon, but he puts in the work. You tell him what to do and he follows it to a T. So it's been really, really good, really fun. Uh, yeah. When I saw him and you and him at um, the Hoyt race uh, earlier this spring at it seems like everyone is just kind of like swarming around him. And I didn't want to be the, the same person that's like, here, like take a picture of me. I'm sure that's like, that's probably not the best experience. Maybe some people like it. I, I don't know. Maybe it gets old after a while, but he can't, I'm sure he can't go anywhere without obviously being noticed by everyone. Yeah. He, he actually enjoys it. So say hi. He, he mm -hmm. really does. Like he really, really does enjoy the people and the fans and the, like he, he really does an excellent job with them. I've never heard him say no or, or look agitated or he never talks badly. Like he's, he really is awesome guy. Yeah, he seems that way. Um, endurance sports have the potential to be maybe the most accessible sport in the world. All you really need is your body and whatever mobility aid you use, whether it's your shoes or your chair. Um, what do you think, and maybe this is just um, 
too broad of a question, but what do you think races need to do to be more inclusive and accessible? Let them know. Like one thing that I do um, when the first thing like that we are adaptive friendly, like whatever it takes. And what I do is I reach out to somebody like Joe Lamar and I say, can you come check my course with me? Cause you're just going to have, have ideas that I don't have. So race directors need to do a better job at including everybody and having the same prize prize money and, and everything that everybody else does. So I offer my prizes the same, you know, Newton sneakers, same mm-hmm. adaptive as non-adaptive. And, you know, you, you want to, I, at first um, I said, sorry to bother to Joe Lamar. Um, and he's like, no, it's no bother. Oh, yeah, now he's been awesome for me. Yeah, and and I don't because I don't know, you know. And so I said, can you come look over my course with me? And he did, and it was like, it was awesome, you know. But I I think like offering, um, does anybody need need a tether? Because one when I started tethering with um, and visually impaired runners, it was because I saw an email come through from a race I had run. So they're like, can anybody keep this pace, uh, a marathon um, tether at at a three. 25 pace. I'm like, I can. So I went down and I tethered um, with a visually impaired guy. And I was like, all because that race director took the time to email the runners. Yeah. So I, I don't know, like, I love that. And that's a very memorable race for me, you know, and to get to help somebody else, like, I, I really do love that. So I think if race directors and um, they need to not be afraid to ask, like, what do you guys need? Or you guys want to be give, you know, come, come to my race. And I think include being more inclusive, including yeah, that was one of the things with like Dave, Joe, Bill Richard, and a couple others. Um, and I met after some races this fall, and we were talking about that and just trying to come up with best practices. I think a lot of times, if unless race directors are like you, proactive and asking the right people, or um, or if they've been involved with people with disabilities in the past, they know what questions to ask. But there's there's many people who don't. Um, so kind of trying to tackle that problem of like, how can all races be more inclusive and accessible? So we're hoping to do a research project accessing, uh, assessing the accessibility of road races and then coming up with some better solutions and resources for race directors, but everything from the timing company to the course that you choose, et cetera, all kind of has an impact on that. That's the thing is like it went over some gravel land and I said, um, I'd rather, I'd rather not go around the lake because of it's not accessible, you know, and, and then the board was like, awesome, you know, so, um, that's the thing is to include, I think being include everybody is so for like for Jacob and I, it's fine if a course isn't suitable for us. Uh, I would hold no animosity towards that, but I would want to just know in advance. So I think that's probably the case for most people. Like, um, we don't expect everything to be suitable for us. I don't expect that everyone should drop what they're doing and cater, uh, to our needs, but as long as it's articulated clearly that, okay, the course has a U-turn that's pretty tight, or the course might have some potholes in the side and you might have to steer around it or run into the road. Like, I can take on that risk, but as long as it's my decision and not yeah. being made for me, I think is important as well. Are, are races including you guys more? Does that Do you find that way or yeah. how? I mean, we're still like, um, it's similar. So Falmouth and Boston both have a 12 wheelchair duo cap. Um, and talking to Dave about it, he says just like, 30 years ago or however many years ago when the Hoyts ran their first marathon, first Boston marathon, they asked, Dave asked them like how many wheelchairs 
um, do you think I can do? And they, they just said like 12 and that number has just kind of stuck. And so when you approach Falmouth, so 20 of us applied, only 12 got accepted for Falmouth and you ask them the same thing. Well, they say, oh, well, the Boston Marathon only does 12. Uh, but then you see like the Marine Corps Marathon and they just had 50 plus wheelchairs there. So I think it's just, it's all trending in the right direction. Um, but I think just having conversations um, with race directors, with organizations, uh, coming up with solutions together, I think hopefully we'll, we'll pay dividends, but. Yeah. And anything that I, I'm always willing to learn. So anything that you think of that, that I can do on my end, let me know. Awesome. I, I don't think. Yeah. I'm learning as well as we go. So, but like talking to people like Joe Lamar um, and talking to people that have the lived experience and the expertise, I think is important, but. And, and he, and he, I said, okay, let me give, get you a discount. He said, we don't want a discount. We, and I was like, oh my God, like yeah. I, I, you know, and he's like, why would we want a discount? We don't want. And I'm like, thank you for teaching me that. <laughs> Cause I also figured like, it'd be nice to offer. He's like, we don't need, we don't want it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's good to offer. Uh, it's good to have it available. If financials are a barrier for people, it's good to offer that. But um, like you said, not necessarily like assume that it needs to be offered or kind of ask the person what they need. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just love to learn. So anything that you can think of, let me know. And any support that you need me to rally you on, if you want me to go to the Boston Marathon and say 12 is not <laughs> well, enough. I, have I, might, no I might need you to. For some reason, like um, myself and a couple of the other duos, because um, they announced the lower standard for everyone. And honestly, I would have liked to have been held to that same standard, which would have resulted in us missing by about 30 seconds. But um, it took us like an extra five weeks to hear like whether we were accepted. And I'm not sure what the, the holdup was there. So um, talking to some people, it's just like, if, if races want to be inclusive or accessible to actually like demonstrate that they want you there or to kind of like make it clear that they do. Um, and I think that's just, I think that will come with time, but um, yeah, I might need you to, uh, if, they, you. if they don't listen to me about the 12 uh, duo cap, maybe they'll listen to you. Wait, I'm sad to hear that. Yeah. I mean, if there's 30,000 runners, um, I can't imagine there's any reason why. 12 yeah. wheelchair duos work but 15 doesn't so yeah yeah um, hopefully yeah. over time with some more exposure and uh representation that number will keep growing but um outside of the antarctica marathon um are you going to stay within triathlon or is that something yeah. you've found I, um i i learned that there was the daytona half iron man that i was invited to december 4th so i'm definitely running that that's and like two weeks I, yeah two weeks yeah. and and i really <laughs> I really enjoyed the triathlon training. It's it's by far the hardest work I've ever done on anything and cuz you're you're learning three sports in one. So the swim is very hard, the biking for 6 hours at a time is very hard, but then when I get to the running I'm like, yes, I got this. But I really I I ran my first practice try and I thought this is kind of cool. This is different. Because as I'm finishing, I, I knew that as I'd be finishing the 50 states and the world majors and everything that I would need a something else and not just running, but I really enjoy, I want to do as many Ironmans um, as possible. Kona was unbelievable. It took my breath away. It was like surreal experience. And for three months when, when I've been was in the heat of the training, um, I, I was picturing them saying, as I was crossing the finish line, Becca PZ, you and I are an Iron Man. And when they actually say it, like you can't even, you can't believe it because you cannot count yourself in, in any part of that course. It's 90 degrees. I, I mean, it was, it's, it's really hot and humid and it's a long day. 
And so at no point, even at mile like 24, I'm like, I do not have this. I do not have this until I cross the finish line. But you enter the mat, which is like 400 yards um, long, Ironman mat, and you, and then you're running and, and you, your heart's like beating and then they say your name and you have your moment. Nobody crosses the finish line together. Everybody crosses like one at a time. And you're like, I did it. So that was actually one a huge accomplishment for me too. So, but I really enjoyed, um, there were days when I was so tired, I couldn't blink or get up and, you know, and um, six days a week of training for three months. It was very, very hard, but um, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed it. So. That's awesome. Um, one of the like themes that we've asked most of the people and we, I guess we already touched upon it a little bit with the sports specifically, uh, endurance sports specifically, but what do you think uh, needs to be done for like businesses or a, a fitness center like mine to be more inclusive and accessible? So I think just reaching out to the community and saying, how can I help you? You know, like in, in going to different businesses and saying, hey, hey, do you guys want to be involved or we're having a Friday morning session or, you know, I want to I want to motivate your employees. Like how can how can you go to a local bank and say, hey. I want to have a Friday morning class. Do you want to be in? You know, and that's kind of like what a yoga studio did to me. They they read about me. They're like, hey, do you need help? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I would love to go into yoga. yoga. So I started going just because I was invited. So I think being invited means a lot to people, whether it's like, and then they tell their friends and they tell their friends and then, you know, you, you build a big, um, but I think sending out surveys too. Like when I finish my 5k, I like to send out like, what can I do better? So I think asking the customers, hey, what are two things you like about my gym and what are two things I can work on? Yeah. And they'll yeah, tell you. Yeah, like that sounds so obvious, but I think it's humbling for a lot of people. And I think that like growth mindset of like admitting that you don't have all the answers is something that doesn't always come naturally to people. It clearly does to you, but. Yeah. And I think that's what happens is, and then sometimes I don't like their answer. I'm like, we had plenty of porta potties or, you know what I mean? Or, or do you know how much it costs my police detail? Or do you know how, like, sometimes I don't like their answer, but I've learned a lot in asking my customers, um, inviting people and also asking my customers, what can I do better? Even though I might not like the answer, yeah. but you know, and, and then sometimes I, um, invite other people in, like I invited Dave McGillivray, come into my 5k. What can I do better? So you might invite another gym to you and say, Hey, I'll check out your gym. You check out my gym. What can, what can we do better? Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, no, Becca, I, like I mentioned earlier, very much appreciate uh, the relationship that we've had over the years. Um, keep an eye out on your your next things. When is Antarctica? Um, the week after Daytona. Okay, so so in a couple weeks you'll do Daytona, and then a week after that you'll do Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, no big deal. And then maybe uh, off some between then and uh, I think, Boston. I think that, yeah, honestly, I'll probably take the rest of December off, like not off because I run all the time, but um, like from swimming and biking and then um, and then I'm going to start in January, like getting on the course. I, I like to be on the course um, every two weeks at least cover all of the course, like from yeah. start to finish, just so there's no surprises. Yeah, in, in I'll, I'll have to uh, I'll have to come out because obviously everyone talks about the, the elevation changes, but yeah. I think you have to kind of experience it. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll have to meet you out there to do a run. Yeah, I'd love that. I would love that. And like just get, getting like Hoppington to the top of the heartbreak, like that's a good run too. So um getting dropped off and then picked up is always a big, big thing. But I, I wanna be I wanna put in like sub three ten for Boston this year. So Awesome. Uh, well, we'll definitely plug uh, the different channels that people can follow you along. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Like I mentioned, it's been a motivating thing for me as well to see everything you're taking on as soon as I think I'm making a 
progress and, and doing things right. that are that are super impressive. I, I see yours and that uh, brings me back down to earth. So uh, Becca, thanks for being a great friend and an inspiration. You too. Thanks so much, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the AdaptX podcast. Our effort to amplify the ideas of our guests and create more inclusive and accessible industries is futile unless these episodes reach a larger audience. If you enjoyed our discussion today, please leave us a rating or a review on whichever platform you use. And if you would like to learn more about AdaptX, the course that we teach to health and fitness professionals and the projects that our organization is working on, you can subscribe to our newsletter through our website, www.adaptx.org. Until next Monday.